Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Well, welcome to Redemption's Table. I've been absolutely amazed these past few months at the men and women who have gathered around this table to share their lives. And one of the main characteristics I have noticed in each and every one of them is this, vulnerability. Vulnerability. As they have shared their journeys, we have heard things that have happened to them or things that they have caused to happen to others. We have heard those high points of their stories and we have also heard those moments when they deliberately chose to make the wrong decision. I believe God can take our vulnerability and use it greatly. When we lay it all on the table, God can use that. He can whisper to somebody else who is hearing our story and say, oh, you thought you were the only one who had ever done that? You thought you were the only one who had ever felt that way? And I believe with all my heart, God is using this podcast to reach the people He knows needs to hear these stories. One of the beautiful things, the beautiful components to me is that these stories take place in a restaurant often or over a meal, but there's always some ambient sounds going on around our recordings. Today is no exception, and I just like leaving it all in there because I never know how God is going to speak to something that is in the background, just like He does in our own lives. So let us go forth from this day. Let us be like sponges. Let us listen. Soak it all up. Hear the things we need to hear. See the things we need to see. And then speak the words we need to speak whenever we have opportunity. This is a blessing, and I hope that it blesses you as well. Let's give it a listen. Let's get started. Welcome to Redemption's Table, sitting here at La Taste. Vietnamese restaurant with Jason McHenry. Jason, welcome to the table. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Man, thank you for suggesting this place. That's what I'm talking about. Whenever <laughs> I invite a guest, pick a place, and I love it when I try something I've never tried before. It was good. It, it was, was good. good. What did you have? Had the uh, beef pho today. Uh, what, what was in that? We had a couple meatballs and some uh, steak so it was pretty good that's good good. and the 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 cook or the owner took us back to the took us back to the kitchen yeah let us look inside he didn't let us get in the kitchen right right. but he was telling us about the process how long did he say it takes to make pho i think he said seven days yeah seven Seven days. days yeah that's a process. That's a process. I've tried to replicate it at home, and uh, after after seeing the process, I know that that's not going to be possible. Yeah. So I have to keep coming here. Yeah, but the food was phenomenal. And what made it for me was not only the the, the, the noodles and the meat itself, but then all those fresh fresh vegetables. Yes, the the basil, and then we learned uh, it's not cilantro, but culantro. Culantro, uh, yeah. And that was something learned today. Yeah. And the lime, and then the chilies. Man, that just sets it sets yeah. it off. So. Yeah, he did, he said culantro was like. Uh, he said ten times more expensive. Ten than times cilantro. Than cilantro. So, yeah. I'll take his word for yeah. it. Yeah. It was an awesome taste experience. It was. I will be back here again. Yeah. Good. So, yeah. and I'm sitting here having a Thai tea in honor of Chuck. Connor, who actually was the one who suggested I 
holler at you. Yes. See yeah. about bringing you to the table. He's so, a good friend. Yeah, he is he's a, a good, good friend. friend. I'll tell you what he said about you. No, uh, I might not want to do that. No, no. I mean, <laughs> he says, you lead worship and Bible study for most of Chuck's house's teams, which that's connected with Christian Missions Unlimited. That's right. And he, here's his quote. He said, he is great, and I don't know anyone who can do both better. Oh, that was, that was good. I'll yeah. have to pay him later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You will. Well, you might want to hold off because also he said, for me to tell you that you're a big sissy and to tune your guitar. That, that, that sounds uh, more like Chuck. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So I'm the, just the messenger. Yes. I, so. We'll talk later about that. He and I will talk later about that. Yeah. Well, like I said, we're sitting here in the Vietnamese restaurant, and it's middle of October. Just has started to feel a little cool outside, maybe yes. a little early hint of fall. Yes, praise God for that. Absolutely. And, and we're listening to Christmas music. <laughs> hey, hey, we'll take it. Which is wonderful. So, good experience, good restaurant. You have had a lot of stops, uh, chapters in your journey. And uh, you're kind of reminding me when I saw the list of the various things you've done. You're, you're, how old are you? I'm 39. 39. 39. So, Relatively short life, but, but a lot of stops. I thought of Louis L'Amour's autobiography, Education of a Wandering Man. Mm. And uh, I, I just want you to share with those listening, how has redemption played a part in your story? Share a few of your life lessons in some of these stops along the way, and you kind of want to hit the highlights. However, God leads you. Go. Yeah, so as far as my redemption story I guess as far as the story of redemption in my life um, kind of really starts young as far as God was very gracious to me to put me in a home with uh, two Christian parents that took me to church every Sunday and uh, of course I was I was attending uh, but there was things that just didn't take I guess I made an early profession of faith and and definitely believed in the Lord um, but I can't say that I was a Christ follower and so um, but that upbringing definitely molded and shaped me. Uh, after high school I kind of ran from that um, upbringing if you will and I joined uh, the Marine Corps. Not, not that that was the um, where I got wayward but more so just uh, um, I enjoyed uh, my time in the, in the Marines. I joined the reserves mm -hmm. and at the same time um, I began uh, a career as a state trooper, Alabama state trooper, kind of simultaneously. Okay. So, um, so after I'd kind of come out of um, boot camp and completed all my training, I tried to go back to college one more semester, and that was uh, uh, disastrous of sorts uh, as far as uh, there wasn't a whole lot of education uh, that took place, and I was just running hard from the Lord. Uh, I met my wife kind of during that interim period uh, uh, between, I guess, boot camp and trying to find a job. and. And then before I came on with the state as mm -hmm. a trooper, <clears throat> so we met, and uh, my wife is one that has always kind of just faithfully held to her faith, and uh, was definitely the kind of woman that you know I'd say that's the kind of woman that I want to marry, but that's not necessarily the man I was. And so uh, we married, and I went to the trooper academy. It was 26 weeks, wow. and so uh, I was I was gone for quite a while during that period, and coming home on the weekends and. So because of our uh, upbringing, attending church at, at the very minimum was something that I guess was important to us. Uh, and so um, I guess it wasn't too long after that, we, we were attending a local church in uh, Montgomery, Alabama. And uh, I went to a Promise Keepers conference. Okay. Now during that, I was playing on the worship team and um, just kind of playing bass and serving the church and attending small groups and living a married life. and. But at 23 is when I went to a Promise Keeper conference with the men from church, and a uh, man heard the gospel like I've always heard it. Uh, the only difference then was I, I say that the Holy Spirit uh, just wrecked me. Like I realized uh, it really drew me to repentance uh, for the first time where I knew, um, man, I had belief in Jesus, but I, I was not uh, putting my faith and trust in Him. Mm -hmm. I was not following Him as Lord of my life. And um, so through kind of that is when I kind of came to know the Lord and kind of began um, kind of began that journey. That's where mm -hmm. I say I was redeemed. Now the journey kind of continues from there, uh, if you'd like me to keep going. Yes. Um, yeah. So um, I was 
shortly after that, uh, I got deployed to Iraq, and uh, I deployed with uh, my unit. We attached the 2nd Force Reconnaissance Company uh, out of Camp Lejeune. And, uh, I went to Iraq, and uh, let's see, what year was that? This was also shortly after I had, kind of get my timeline confused, we had a, shortly after I came to know the Lord, we had uh, our daughter Abigail. Okay. Who was born at one pound fifteen ounces? Wow! And so she was a preemie and had special needs. So we so we were in the NICU for about three months. Wow! Uh, got Abigail home, and within probably a month and a half, I was uh, off to begin training to deploy. Wow! And so while I was overseas, uh, it was a great. Uh, it was honestly a great experience. I got to be around a lot of guys from a lot of different backgrounds and. Many were not Christ followers, and so that was a great opportunity to share my faith, um, at least being faithful to share. And there was no like uh, powerful moment of people, to my knowledge, coming to know the Lord, but there was me and maybe two other believers within our platoon. Um, but just that experience of um, um, journeying that experience with those guys was, was good. You know, it was definitely a band of brothers. Mm -hmm. and. Um, and so kind of through that process of just kind of being away from everything is where I felt like kind of a call to ministry. And uh, so when I finished my deployment, I came back to the States and my wife and I, I was still, was still a trooper. I put my transfer in to go to Baldwin County. Okay. And so we moved to Baldwin County just so I could t attend the University of Mobile. I went to the University of Mobile, felt like, you know, hey, hey, the Lord's calling me to be a worship leader. That's what I felt like. You know? um, so as I kind of began that curriculum and everything, um, I became much more interested. I, I, I didn't want to just be the guy that, that could musically play and sing, right? I wanted to know know what I believed. And so I've kind of pursued more of a theological background and some theological studies and studying Greek and stuff like that. And uh, kind of through that journey, I realized that, you know, uh, I didn't want to be a song leader. I wanted to be a worship pastor, you know. And... Um, as I was uh, in that process, I said, "You know what? I think I think uh, I can do." Uh, I said, "I think that as long as I have a good foundation theologically, uh, I feel like I don't necessarily need a degree that says I'm a, a worship leader." Um, because at that time, they had a lot of programs that were, which were great, great programs that were geared towards with integrity music, kind of geared towards uh, training up worship worship leaders and worship pastors. Mm -hmm. um, I just felt like, hey man, I think I can do the same, but I'd, I'd really like to have more of a, a theological background. Right. So all that to say, um, that's what I did. And uh, so I guess a couple years into that, I got a call from the, the church we were at in, Mon in Montgomery. Mm -hmm. you know, I called and asked us if we would come back to be a, a student, student minister. Uh, we accepted that and I came here and, and finished uh, Finished my degree with with Liberty University, okay, and then uh, <clears throat> so we rocked along, kind of serving in student ministry for about three years, uh, from 2007 to 2010, and um, that uh, experience was a little strenuous for us as a family, um, and just ministry. Uh, say ministry but working in the church was not necessarily what I thought it was going to be right and uh, so that led to really my departure there over time uh, did three years and uh, um, honestly leaving there was pretty bitter you know I was bitter hurt by the church and really um, was kind of back in that place of uh, running if you will mm -hmm. where I was just like this is just not for me and I don't I want to serve the Lord but I, I don't want to be you know, part of, um, I guess, some of the organization. Right. <laughs> so, um, so that led us to a journey of working in an urban nonprofit ministry in Montgomery, okay. Alabama. Which, uh, which one? Uh, Common Ground. Common Ground. Okay. And there, I was the uh, guy that did our, our mentoring program and handled all the logistics for our volunteers. Mm -hmm. uh, so, if we'd have a volunteer team come in, I handled all logistics as far as the. the um, all the program stuff, and they're doing a great, great work there in, in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, um, but what I carried into that ministry with me was was a lot of the bitterness and hurt, which kind of led to, I guess you could say, we talked about this earlier, mm -hmm. kind of some pride and arrogance yeah. to where, uh, hey, they did me wrong, you know, uh, previously, and so, uh, you know, well, I'm right, 
you know, I'm right. So it kind of led to a I'm right attitude, if you will. Um, and a very negative attitude because I was still very pessimistic on a lot of things. Um, so you kind of you kind of take that into the year of 2012, and there was just kind of that perfect storm in my my life. So early 2012, the, the guy that I had served um, uh, served with at a church that was our worship pastor, mm -hmm. and that was the church I had left previously in Montgomery. Um, he had, he had kind of moved on before I had left the church and was serving down in Orange Beach, Alabama. Mm -hmm. And I worked alongside this guy for three years. And, three years? Uh, three years. Okay. And he had called me uh, on a Tuesday. I can't remember the date off the top of my head. He called me on a Tuesday. We're supposed to hang out that Thursday night. Well, that Thursday morning he ended up killing himself. Mm. And so he uh, shot himself in his home. Mm. Uh, and that was, uh, that was a hard pill to swallow. Because it's definitely a person that you just didn't see it coming. Right. Uh, he was kind of the upbeat, charismatic guy. We always kept everybody laughing, and then out of the blue, this happened. So that was a kind of a tough hit for both my wife and I, because both of us were were good friends with him. Mm -hmm. I was in a place where I was carrying some bitterness, um, you know, and, and some anger uh, from our previous. Uh, kind of service and then this mm -hmm. friend had committed suicide and, and then just dealing with own personal issues and a lot of times you feel like the world's unraveling mm -hmm. and then you kind of um, uh, um, for whatever reason uh, during that time uh, I became involved with uh, another married woman uh, that was uh, in the Montgomery area and um, so that that was kind of going on and uh, during that time, I just remember, like during those, it was a two week long kind of relationship where I just remember like having this feeling like the whole, like you, you know that this is gonna blow up, that this bomb's gonna go off. And I can just remember feeling so despaired that it was like, you've already you've already done this and there's nothing but basically destruction for you you know I mean I remember feeling that just um, like you know this is headed nowhere mm -hmm. but it was like you didn't have the strength to get out of it and so sure enough uh, within two weeks or so that came out and then the bomb went off you know and of course my, my wife uh, was extremely distraught and hurt by that um, and I was hurting but in a way that uh, I look back at that darkness if you will mm -hmm. and I was I was very man just you just didn't care like and almost felt um, um, just numb to the world right like it was a really bad place for me mm -hmm. um, and then I remember our pastor at the time Terrence Jones He's a pastor of Strong Tower. He came to my house because they were trying to help us kind of this initial shock, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, initially, it's just, there's just shock and chaos because emotions are high. And obviously, I've betrayed and hurt my wife. And she's reeling from that. And I can't figure out how I even got here. Mm -hmm. And not even knowing how to get yourself out of, out of that hole. And I remember something that Terrence told me on my back porch. Uh, it was it was about a couple weeks after everything kind of came to light, and he just he just looked at me and he said, "Jason, you've got to determine if everything that you've sang about and preached about in the last five years at that time uh, was a total lie." And man, that that hit the the God used that. Um, that statement alone, because I knew one thing: I knew that I knew that Jesus was not a lie, and I knew that Christ was true. Um, and so that that began. Uh, I guess that was the glimmer of hope, and that was the, the small hole where the Holy Spirit began to work. Mm -hmm. And just to say, uh, you know, you know that, that Christ is true, and if that's if He is truth, and if He is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, then indeed you have to obey and you have to walk in his ways. Yeah. And so, um, so that began really my process of repentance. Um, when I say that, it was a it, it was a process because mm -hmm. there was just kind of layers, you know. Uh, there's I can't remember who sings the song. There's that song, the slow fade. I don't know if that's Mercy Me or if that's yeah. uh, Casting Crowns. It's one of the others. 
but you know you don't get to that place overnight yeah so there's a lot of things that kind of even you you didn't even aware of in some degrees that that the Holy Spirit gets bring, brings to life now <clears throat> so that began a process of me uh, of confession mm-hmm. uh, to uh, to people around me um, uh, began a period of confession to my wife where just like it'd be the craziest thing um, because because of all this that happened I was serving in a in the, in a ministry that was well known in Montgomery mm-hmm. and it was not like nobody knew mm-hmm. this was a very public and nasty thing you know um, so we were kind of reeling from that. I had a friend that gave me some work in construction, basically, to make ends meet, mm-hmm. just to support our family through that time. Um, and during that process, it was horrible, and it was hard. Um, but but I'm thankful for the process. Um, so I, it would just be weird. I'd be painting a house, and I'd have to stop and call my wife. And I'd be like, hey, do you remember, like, 10 years ago, or, you know, whenever, uh, do you remember, like, seven years ago, when I was like a jerk at that dinner, you know, and I really mistreated you uh, as far as the way I used my words or whatever, and I would just have to say, will you forgive me? Um, and it was like, God was bringing up all these things, and it was kind of like, all right, what is it going to be today, mm-hmm. you know? But um, that process was, it is what it is. It was mm-hmm. one of those things where I felt like God's pressing into that on my heart, and I needed to ask my wife for forgiveness. And so uh, it was just it was a it was a purging process, if you will, mm. where it's just like man, I gotta get confess things over time. Um, so really, we had through that process, we had some folks really take us under their wings that I'm, I'm super grateful for. Um, we were attending Morningview Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was an elder there and his wife, Greg Graham and Jennifer Graham. They kind of been through the same process. Um, and man, they took us under the wing. We'd bring our kids to their house um, and they would sit us down. And my kids were young and running all over the place, screaming in the house. And yet they took time to continue to point us to truth, to point us to Christ, to let us um, to let us be real, you know. Mm-hmm. Like if my wife was mad at me that day, then it's she's going to be mad at me that day. And I remember they even told her uh, she was like, uh, within the first few counseling things, they just gave her the option. They said, you know, Amanda, you have biblical grounds for a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, there's biblical grounds for a divorce, but our next meeting, you just let us know which route you want to take. Mm-hmm. And, and my wife decided that she wanted to stay in the marriage, not for my sake. Uh, and not for the kids sake mm-hmm. but she said I made a commitment to the Lord <laughs> and uh, excuse me she said I made a commitment and covenant with the Lord and I don't intend to break it and so that's kind of where we started we started with her commitment mm-hmm. because at that point in time um, I would say like I was repentant mm-hmm. and like the thing that God was showing me was like you got to love your your wife like Christ loved the church Ephesians 5:25. And I felt like I was to be obedient doing that, even though I bl- even though I'd blown it, mm-hmm. like that I needed to do that, even if she was going to leave me. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, you know, this is this is done. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you be faithful even if she leaves? Mm-hmm. And so the point was to be obedient to Christ, not because it was going to win my spouse back. Right. And so um, I committed to doing that the best that I could. Uh, and she made the decision to stay, and it was. This is truth. It's it's kind of funny, but it's it's truth. Uh, in that that next counseling session, she's like, "I hate it. I, I I'm committed to staying, but I hate Jason." Yeah. <laughs> and that's understandable, you know. And I don't fault her for that one bit. So she's like, "I hate Jason." And uh, I remember a counselor just telling her, "Like, well, that's fine, you know. But we're commanded to love our enemies. And right now, you're gonna have to start by loving your husband wow. as an enemy." And because and man, that's where we started. Wow. That's where our redemption story started. Was uh, me being her enemy. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was a hard. That was a hard couple years, um, just to walk through that. But we had some folks that were um, really committed to us, mm-hmm. and that was a huge blessing. Like. There was nights where I wanted to give up. I'm like, I'm just going to the grocery store. I don't think we're ever going to work out of this. You know, I'd run into somebody from church or whatever that would give us some encouragement. Amanda had some folks in her life that, when the days when she felt like giving up, it was just these crazy coincidences where people were, were um, 
kind of fallen fallen in our lives and given us encouragement when we needed it. Mm. And uh, and it was work. It was hard work. And but the Lord was faithful to give us the strength to push through. Um, and I'm I'm pretty grateful for that. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, kind of coming out of that, it took two years before we kind of began to. Uh, to even consider serving in the church again, and that was not anything that that I pursued or even wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was thankful enough to have worked uh, in construction till the end of that year, mm-hmm. uh, 2012, when everything kind of went down, and um, and then I was able to get back into law enforcement uh, at the end of that year, mm-hmm. and so I started back into law enforcement and kind of pursuing that career. I figured I'd just blown it in ministry, you know, and I really struggled with being above reproach. That was a that was a huge thing uh, where I was like, I don't think I meet any qualifications. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, before we left Montgomery, um, you know, the Lord was al- allowed me to go through some steps of asking forgiveness to uh, some offended parties <laughs> that really um, helped me uh, come to that place where. Okay, I, I, I've done everything I can to, to make it right on mm-hmm. the side of eternity. Um, now, that to say, you know, we moved along and uh, we moved out of Montgomery. Just kind of, we needed that fresh start. Right. And fortunately, I, I got a job with the state and in, in, uh, where I could uh, move on, we could do that. And so, um, all that to say, we weren't thinking about serving a church. You know? Right. And the opportunity came, and it has been for really the last six years in various capacities where okay. we've been able to kind of fill in and, and just help out. And uh, we've been doing that and, and building our building a family. And, uh, you know, we have six kids, so that keeps wow. us pretty wide open. And uh, we were able to, when everything went down, my wife was actually pregnant with our, our fifth child. So that made things a lot harder mm-hmm. uh, emotionally and just why, you know. Mm-hmm. And so since then, uh, we've had another, we call her our redemption baby. Uh, that's a little Irene. And uh, so you know, we've had, had her. And uh, every day is um, every day is a blessing. Uh, I think I shared with you earlier, you know, going to, the, going to that rock bottom place. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember where you're just looking up and you're like, God, I don't even know if I'm a believer. Mm-hmm. And still knowing that the Spirit saying, uh, are impressed upon you, like, yeah, I still got you, yeah. you know, and and the ability to even commit to that process, I couldn't do that apart from Christ. Yeah, uh, if it if it wasn't for Christ in my life, I would have walked away. If it wasn't for Christ in Amanda's life, she would have walked away. Mm-hmm. And so we have nothing in our marriage but Christ. Yeah, and so I, um, you definitely learn from that. But I, I'd be lying if and, and I shared earlier if if there's still not those consequences that reverberate through your life, you know, um, <clears throat> which can just be simply uh, just a bad day, you yes. know, where something strikes up a memory and you have to work through that. Um, and so, but we use a lot of those experiences, and I don't want to get too far on that, we'll use a lot of those experiences for other couples that are walking through the same thing, or just, uh, not that we're formal counselors, mm-hmm. but just sit down and share our story, so that you say, hey, there is hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes those practical steps uh, in the in-between, we share what kind of, you know, what we did, whether that's like, hey, my wife, she can look at my phone and know right where I'm at right now, mm-hmm. but that was, a, it's not important as far as like, uh, oh, she's got to know where you're at. It's right. more, more important that like, this is a way to build back trust with mm-hmm. your wife. Yeah. And, and so, you know, even those practical things, we like to share those things. Uh, that's 2 Corinthians 1. It starts out by saying the God of all comfort comforts us. And in the Greek language, the word comfort literally means coming along beside. And God comes along beside us when we go through those tight places, difficult places, places where we are struggling. and He is growing us, those broken places. And then He's able, as only He can, to take those moments in our life and use us in the lives of other people who will go through the same thing that we have gone through. I read something by Dr. James Dennison, God redeems all He allows. What God allows, He redeems. And the implication there, God allows us our free will. 
God allows us to make decisions. And when we make decisions that are outside of God's plan for us, He can redeem mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. He's very good at it. The, the caveat is that we surrender all that He has allowed to Him to redeem it. And in your testimony there, it sounds like that's exactly uh, the direction and the path that you and your wife are taking. Mm -hmm. So that's, a, that's a, what he does. He's very good at it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we had, um, <clears throat> like I said, I think um, I, I referenced Greg and Jennifer Graham, you know, previously. And I, I think to have those people that had been there mm -hmm. uh, and that, that God had brought through that trial and they could understand um, they could understand the need to speak truth but to also uh, they could grasp the the, the difficulty of this, the situation because they had walked it has been was extremely helpful and I know over time where um, there are times when my wife has talked to uh, women that are going through some of the very similar circumstances and a lot of times they'll you know uh, same thing if i'm talking to a man they say well you, you don't understand mm -hmm. well no we do you know we actually do we've, we've walked that road and i think uh that's been a game changer for a lot of people because one thing that enemy likes to do is to isolate us to think mm -hmm. that we're the only one going through a certain circumstance yeah. and that no one else will understand there's no one else that can help you and that's just a lie you know it's a lie it's uh we wouldn't be where we were if it's not for the people of God, for God Himself, but also the people of God. And so I like what you said there as far as coming alongside. Mm -hmm. uh, believe it or not, there's a lot of people that are, are always willing to come alongside you. you know? But uh, for some reason, we want to stay isolated. And, I, and that's just a tactic uh, that the enemy uses to, to, to kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah. And um, so I like that you bring that up as well, that God is the God of comfort. And a lot of times he'll use his people to do that as well. Yeah. I think sometimes when we're going through our journeys, we, because our journey centers and focuses in our lives, and we're coming at things constantly from our perspective, we sometimes forget that God is active and working and speaking and the Spirit is whispering into the lives and the hearts of other people who are in the journey with us. That's right. Family members. That's right. He's at work in their lives as well and I think we, I'm just speaking for myself here, become a little self-absorbed at times. Yeah. You know, what's God teaching me and, and right. you think, we, we, I think it comes back to the pride issue that in our pre-conversation we had all men, I believe, struggle with pride but the idea that uh, it's it's left up to me right. to be the one to fix this. Yes, and I tell you the the most challenging thing after that, you know, um, the most challenging thing is when you've absolutely blown it, and you've got men in your life that that are still encouraging you to be leader, spiritual leader of your household. Mm -hmm. And so the question for me was like, how in the world do you do that? How do you do that when you you blown it so bad and so for um, to, to begin to do that when you don't necessarily feel it mm -hmm. as far as um, God used that process to hum uh, to humble because now you're not you're not working off your own merit you're not working off your own strength you're not working off your own accolades or even your own self-righteousness you're working out of a place of brokenness mm -hmm. you're working out of a place where um, all you all you have is Jesus, mm -hmm. which is the way it should be. Yeah. But um, you know, there there is there is nothing to boast in of your own merit, but Christ and Him crucified. And so um, that was an interesting process of just learning to uh, to listen and, and to not react to um, to say, hey. You know, I've read the scripture today, or hey, how can I pray for you? Or and and to do that from a place of um, brokenness was was tough, but it was also humbling, mm -hmm. and it was also uh, strengthening and encouraging because again, you're not producing that work. Yeah. Um, but I know as a man, like man, anytime something goes wrong, we want to fix it. You mm -hmm. know, I want to fix it. I want to fix it. And this was a situation I couldn't fix. And so uh, it, it required uh, 
they required um, dying to myself, you know, mm -hmm. and, and as it should be in the Christian walk, you know, and, and to die to self was an ugly process because you didn't, I don't think I realized how mm -hmm. self-reliant I was until you can't rely on yourself anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think there's something important about brokenness that we want to fast forward through. And I don't mean stay in brokenness and linger there and wallow in it for forever more because there's nothing healthy about that. But I think there's a very positive aspect that to understand once you've reached that point of that low point, that crash, regardless of how you reach it, to to let that remain, to keep to understand where you were, what brought you to this place. Don't lose that, because I think that out of brokenness, God can do so much through us in our lives. It it requires His constant grace, which we have mm -hmm. all the time, mm -hmm. anyway. But it requires His grace to stay there, but to operate out of a spirit of brokenness and humility and that that's genuine nothing we have to fabricate mm -hmm. ourselves mm -hmm. so where do you draw strength today well, um, you know apart from apart from Christ um, um, I draw a lot of strength from my wife and her testimony mm -hmm. you know like um, just her faithfulness to the Lord even through that and over the years, it's always an encouragement and a testimony to me. Um, and it, and it, uh, it, you know, it's iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that also uh, can apply outside the context of men's ministry, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> where uh, my wife uh, and, and to see her uh, patience, endurance, and long suffering. And even in the middle of that, she had a kind of a Man, I mean, when, you, when life hits you, sometimes it, it hits you hard. Uh, she had a, uh, a nerve condition that was uh, trigeminal neuralgia on top of all this, which is a, uh, your trigeminal nerves, are, you got two on each side of your face, and mm -hmm. they call it the suicide disease because it's so painful. Mm -hmm. And uh, to see her have some extremely painful episodes where you can't talk, like it was painful for her to talk, and, and us to walk through that on top of everything else. Um, and to see her endure through this this disease, if you will, and mm -hmm. this the circumstance, um, uh, she has always been a huge encouragement to me, and, and also a, a huge source of strength. Because uh, even now, with a large family, uh, there are days where uh, my uh, patience, the Lord is still refining, and hers is usually a little bit better than mine is. Yeah. And so I would say, uh, you know, apart from just, uh, apart from Christ alone, man, my wife is a huge source of that strength. Uh, and so she usually sets me straight. Yeah. The last six years you've been a wildlife conservation officer, is that That's the great. official title? That's right. Yeah, okay. May will be six years. Yeah. Okay. So I'm taking from that you're out in the woods a lot, out on the lake a lot. Yes, so, yes, yes. So. Yeah, and those moments too of, uh, I guess, solitude and well, just being alone with the Lord in prayer, like I, I love those moments. Like uh, uh, um, sometimes my job doesn't feel like a job, you know, yeah. uh, to be outdoors and to, uh, to to be with him in the woods or in the water and just kind of that's those those times I, I really uh, are good times for reflection mm -hmm. and, and just uh, and worship you know yeah. I love it and you're a worship leader that's as correct. well that's so right. I, I could see that that would feed times of corporate worship it private has. worship feeding it has um, you know at times where um, you've been working night hunting and I've had I've shared these stories where you're working night hunting and nothing's going on but I'm standing outside in a cold winter night in the middle of nowhere Alabama and you just look up and you see the stars you right and so um, so you know whether that be how great thou art you're seeing how great thou art and you're thinking about uh, the stars or um, um, there's another worship song uh, your, your love so great uh, I think uh, you are the Lord Almighty um, and it's talking about uh, outshining all the stars in glory you know like just, just those 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 tie-ins from really God's natural revelation to really some specific revelation in His Word about His glory and um, 
about how he's created the universe and stuff. All that plays a part. All that plays a part. It's a kind of a beautiful tapestry connection of the two. So yeah, I, I, I love it. Love my my job. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's cool. I mean, uh, I would love your job. <laughs> I would yeah. be. I love being outdoors. Mm-hmm. You have favorite places. Uh, along your journey, and not, and not not just in what you do now, but you know you've been, you've seen, you've served our country. I want to say thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, you have uh, had a lot of different chapters. Uh, are there favorite places? Uh, yeah, you know, there's there's there are those kind of stops along the way that of um, I guess those those moments of just personal reflection and worship. You know, mm-hmm. I can remember. A lot of times, if we were out in the desert in Iraq, outside of you know, um, outside of combat or whatever, but um, sometimes the nights were real still, you know. And there's no street lamps like we have back in the United States, you know. It's just uh, it's just open desert and those sky and the sky, you know. And just to think about, uh, well, just to be still and to recognize who God is in those moments, you know. Uh, those nights. Uh, were always really special to me of uh, just prayer and reflection. Um, as far as uh, you know, places along the way, you know, I think our um, our path to restoration um, is something that was extremely hard and extremely painful. Mm-hmm. But it's also a season um, that will forever mold and forever shape and it's 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 one of those seasons that God uh, mercifully reminds me of at mm-hmm. times uh, well at all times really but it's also um, it's a season where you just know that like God is fighting for you like God is is still uh, still holding on mm-hmm. and uh, that he's He's going to carry on that good work into completion, you know, and then he's carrying on the work, and you can see where he's working in you when you're totally depleted. And so I'm I'm grateful for that season. Uh, I don't necessarily wish that on I don't wish that on anyone, but and and I hate that. uh, I still hate that. Um, I committed that act which led to that season. I wish I could have experienced that season in a different circumstance, but that's where it was dropped into my life. Um, But I'm forever grateful for, um, I guess, the fruit of that. Uh, Just the fruit of that brokenness and repentance. And and, uh, I think if I wasn't so prideful, maybe, you know, if I wasn't prideful, I wouldn't have been there in the first place. Um, But uh, God worked a lot of that out during that season. And I'm grateful, grateful for that. Um, but I'm careful how I say that too. Uh, we always say not that that circumstance gave us a stronger marriage, mm-hmm. uh, but we have a stronger marriage because of that circumstance. Uh, so uh, because we were forced to uh, work through it, you know. Uh, so that's a stop along the way that I'm grateful for. I don't, I don't ever care to go back to that scene. Yeah. But <laughs> Compare the two. You've been on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And so there's that physical warfare, mm-hmm. and you've been on the spiritual battlefield, mm-hmm. spiritual warfare. Because what was going through my mind is, as I was hearing your story for the first time, is I was like, you know, the, the, what came to my mind was Ephesians uh, six, where it says, "We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We never have a personal problem. We always have a spiritual warfare working on us." And compare the two, physical warfare and spiritual warfare, your perspective. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I've often thought about this, you know, mainly just because of my, my experiences in physical combat. Like, there's there's preparations that are made, right? So you don't just go out, you just don't go out on a mission or whatnot. You know, there's there's preparation, there's usually training, there's walkthroughs, there's uh, intelligence that's gathered, you know, you're making a plan and, uh, and to execute. Um, there's uh, cleaning your weapon, make sure that it's malfunctioned, make sure all your gear's in check and that you've got everything you need, uh, make sure your magazines are loaded. You know, there's there's uh, so much preparation that goes into one event. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know that our, uh, our spiritual lives are much different, but it's often neglected. Mm-hmm. And I've often, uh, I've often, uh, 
thought about that and mm-hmm. thought about how much pressure, uh, uh, preparation I even make just to go out on daily patrol, mm-hmm. and it's extremely convicting because I'm like, man, if I only prepare this way for that spiritual battle uh, every day, mm-hmm. um, because it's the it's uh, the complacency that kills is what we say, you mm-hmm. know, on the battlefield. Complacency kills, and I, I believe that's the same in our spiritual life because the spiritual battle is much, much turf, tougher. And we're also still dealing with that flesh, right? So now you've got you've got these principalities and this darkness uh, that's pressing against you, but we also have that battle against the flesh where, yeah, the spirit is working against that. But if we're not preparing mm-hmm. by walking uh, in the spirit, then that flesh is rising up too. So now you've got this welling up within as well as the outside uh, kind of crushing on you and I I tell you um, I wish I could say I prepared for that battle better than I do daily Uh, but I think it's more important than any physical confrontation because the stakes are much higher you know the stakes are so much higher Um, uh, you know we're talking about our souls at stake you know Uh, and even with, uh, with the soul of my children you know that's much more important than any any uh, battle or uh, um, altercation that'll take place on this earth. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, it's just praying for them, praying for, for for my wife, praying for my children, ensuring that that I'm in that I am uh, discipling them. You know, that we're having our family devos in those times where I'm imparting the word to them, where that or our home is that safe space that we're building them up spiritually, so that as they go out. And, and, and to fight these battles daily, yeah. um, if they're prepared for that, and uh, so yeah, I, every time I think about that, there's there's something that I'm convicted about because I'm like, man, I could be better, yeah. I could be better, and it's no different than I guess preparing for physical combat because there was always something that you could take away from mission and say I could be better, mm-hmm. uh, I could do that more efficiently, yeah. and, and I think that's spiritually for me, um, I reflect on that a lot. And it's it's definitely something where man it's convicting because it's like man I haven't I haven't really prayed for my family today I need to do that or man that you know I was I was pretty impatient well last night you know I, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night and that's because my son was sick and he's by my bedside probably four or five times last night you know uh, I wish I could say I was extremely patient and not irritated because I was getting woke up again mm-hmm. um, but that's not the right response yeah. and so I look at that and say. And that's wrong because that's not how God responds to us, you know. That's that's the check, and that's the the gut, uh, the kick in the gut, you know. When you think spiritually, how how do I want to respond to my son is the way that God's responded to me with patience and love and endurance. And no matter how many times I come to Him and say, "Hey, Daddy, I need you," or "Daddy, I don't feel well," you know, that He's right there to. Um, I mean, He's right there for us. Yeah. And so uh, I'm sitting here, even convicted, thinking about you know less than 12 hours ago. And that spiritual battle for my son, you know, where he, yeah, it's physical, he doesn't feel well, but there's a bigger battle at play there. And that's me modeling how Christ should, Christ would respond to me as his child. And man, I, you know, I'll have to go, now that I think about it, I'll have to go make that one right. But it's just one that's hit me, you know, as we sit here to say, man, that's so much more important. But that's where grace kicks in. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. How would you encourage someone? who was at the point you were at? Mm. Um, well, first, first, I always, I always encourage, anytime I get the opportunity to speak on that, there's, there's a few different things at play. There's those, uh, in that place, there's a lot of people that think, well, I can never be there. Mm-hmm. One thing that uh, uh, Pastor Sean Merrithew told me, after all this was said and done, we were kind of being sent out uh, or, and allowed to kind of pursue uh, serving again. He said, Jason, just always have a healthy fear of self and to know that our hearts are wicked and deceitful, right? And so don't, don't ever say that you could never be somewhere because uh, uh, you're just not that strong. Uh, and so uh, I would always encourage people that... You know, if, you, if that's you, then, then maybe you got a pride issue you need to keep in check. Mm-hmm. Um, the second person, I guess, is those that's kind of teetering on the fence. They've already kind of know that the situation is brewing in their life. They're contemplating going there. And, uh, man, I would just say, get help. Uh, and, and by that, I mean, <clears throat> I didn't feel like there was anybody to talk to. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of saw the situation brewing. 
I just didn't feel like there was anybody I could talk to, and I think that's a real problem that sometimes we have as, as a, a, a community of believers is is that isolation. We get too isolated ourselves, and we and as I referenced before, we feel like, well, somebody won't understand what I'm going through. They have no idea what I'm going through. And the, and the reality is, there is somebody that understands, and not and not just Christ. I'm talking about. There's there's usually somebody that's walked a road the same as yours, or just as difficult, or or has a lot of the same struggles. And uh, man, you, you seek help. Seek help and, and being open and find that person that you can have accountability and confession with and that you can pray for one another and sharpen and encourage. And then for, for those that may be in that place of brokenness where like, man, I've blown it, uh, I would just encourage you that there's, I mean, there is hope. It's not over. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is our situation is pretty unique. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, um, unfortunately, there's not many marriages that recover and are restored. Um, so we're very grateful for ours, and we're very quick to point out it's nothing that we did. Um, but to know that even if, um, and I go back to that place where I had to start a lot of times with men, was are you willing to are you willing to be faithful to Christ now, starting today, even if it doesn't save your marriage? And if the answer and the answer has to be yes, if you're if you're a follower of Christ, and so I would say even if it doesn't change your circumstances here, to know that it's worth it, it's worth it. Yeah. Um, and so um, you know, I also say that there is there is there is hope for physical restoration of anything, right? But the spiritual restoration. Is always is always there, and God is always willing to reconcile us to Himself, and yeah. He's done that through Christ. Yes. And so, just to know that that we have hope that there is no situation that is truly hopeless. Yeah. Um, so I think about that. Uh, I think that's the, the the my last imparting wisdom there. Yeah. What what little that's worth. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I appreciate you coming to this table. I appreciate you introducing me to Vietnamese food. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm grateful to Chuck Connor for suggesting you, and I'm looking forward to more fellowship with you in the future. Maybe not that would revolve around a recording, but uh, I, you're coming to uh, worship service, Eileen. Yes. Uh, if, if not this month, I will be there. Yeah, I'll be called, there. Called broken, so I'm looking forward to uh, worshiping. Uh, with you in that context. Thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a blessing. It's been a joy. And uh, I'm just going to pray God continues to use you. He already is. He has. uh, He's... uh, Christ is our hope. That's right. uh, So, thank you, Jason. Thank you. Thanks for having me here, Robert. Those of you who are listening in, you know every Monday you either hear the words or see the words. Party of Redemption, your table is now available. And so for those tuned in, we'll uh, be uh, right back here next Monday morning. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a great one.